Who stole Jeeves' candy bar? <laughs> that was the big question during a particular episode growing up in my large Catholic family in this small rural town in Michigan. I was Jeep. That's J-E-E-P. But it's not what you're thinking. I wasn't named for the vehicle. No. My favorite aunt, my Aunt Laura, gave me that nickname based on this TV show that was running during the summer I was born in 1953. It was a TV sitcom called My Son Jeep. <laughs> it's true, you can look, Google it. Wikipedia. There's all sorts of info on My Son Jeep. Anyway, uh, the title character, Jeffrey Jeep Allison, was this mischievous 10-year-old boy. How did she know? <laughs> So Jeep I was, you know, from almost the moment I was born. The earliest photographs you, that you could find of me have me labeled as Jeep. And Jeep I would be all the way through, well into my adulthood years, but only within the family. I mean, Jeep, come on, really. You gonna take that seriously? No way. I mean, it sounds so abrupt. It sounds so silly. I mean, let me tell you, I don't ever, I didn't ever want to hear any girlfriend of mine saying something like, I love you so much, Jeep. <laughs> well, it was no TV sitcom growing up in the Burke household, let me tell you. It was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, one night, my dad could be leading us along on his goodnight train, and he would be chugging us along, we'd be trailing happily behind him, and he would chug along through the house, and he would drop us off at our respective beds, and we'd all say goodnight to our fellow brother or sister. It was sweet, it was a really sweet time. But a couple of nights later, my mom could have to be, he would, she would have to be pulling him off and wailing on us too hard. And then my mother, one morning she could be making us these Wonderful, our favorite treat, these wonderful old-fashioned deep-fried donuts, you know, with cinnamon and sugar, uh, or powdered sugar. And before supper, she could be yelling at one of us to go get her paddle on top of the fridge. I tell you, it was like walking on eggshells living in our house. And you add to that this lack of intimacy, this deep sense of Catholic guilt and shame and emotional repression, Yay. We were a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of wounded souls by the time I was 11 years old. There were seven of us then. I had a sister a year older, and I was the big brother. Well, uh, that year when I was 11, uh, a couple weeks after Halloween, I, well, all of us brothers and sisters, we had our stash of trick-or-treat candy, you know, and it was kind of running low. Our stash was getting down there. We had done all the bartering and all the sneaking from each other's bags we could, and I was down to my last Snickers bar. And I love Snickers bars. I really did. They were my favorite. And so I asked my mom, was, I was after school and about a couple hours before supper, Mom, you know, I'm hungry, you know, for a snack, could I have my Snickers bar? She told me no. 
Huh. That doesn't sit very well with me. And, uh, I mean, I was hungry and I love Snickers bars. They're so satisfying. <laughs> so tasty. I just had to have it. So I gobbled it up and I stashed away the paper. Well, uh, I was supposed to have that, that bar for the treat after supper with the rest of the kids. So when it came time for treats, my mom says, okay, Jeep, you can go get your Snickers bar now. Somebody took my Snickers bar. I was really looking forward to it. And, and I showed her how disappointed I was, and I could really milk that. I, mean, I was a good liar by that time. Matter of survival. Right? And so she, she bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And she gathers the rest of the kids around, and she wants to know. She demands, all right, who took Jeep's candy bar? Of course, nobody fesses up. <laughs> what was there to say? No. She asked one more time, who took Jeep's candy bar? And then we heard the words that we kids hated to hear more than anything else. Wait till your father gets home. <laughs> oh boy. This is getting way out of hand. Way out of hand. I, I didn't want this to happen and go this far. I thought, you know, I'm just okay. So I'm going to the candy bar, big deal. No. So, my father comes home after work, clo after closing up his store. Uh, he probably had a couple beers in him, two or three, which was the custom for him uh, as he was wrapping things up at the store and tallying the day's receipts. So, here we are in the living room. My dad is facing the lineup of my brothers and sisters. I'm sitting off to the side on the sofa. I'm thinking how strange it is to be not in the lineup. And I'm sitting off to the side and I'm looking at my brothers and sisters and I'm seeing the fear rising in their eyes. And my father, he's standing there in front of them, and he says, All right, I'll give you one more chance. I want to know right now, who took Jeep's candy bar? Nobody said anything, but you could see the growing fear in their faces. <coughs> They're starting to shift around and get a little nervous. And then he starts taking off his belt. And he says, this is your last chance. Who took Jeep's candy bar? Nobody could say anything. And I'm sitting over there. And I'm looking at my brothers and sisters. And I see how squirmy they're starting to get. And they're starting to whimper and cry 
And they're saying, Daddy, please don't hit me. I didn't take it. He didn't do it. And they're looking at each other, you know, and wondering, you know, somebody going to say something? Come on. And I'm sitting there. And I don't say a word. I can't speak up. I'm too damn afraid. Well, my dad, you know, he takes my sister out of the line, yanks her by the arm after asking her, could you take Jeep's candy bar? And he just holds her by the arm and she's pulling and tugging and squirming and she's dangling and, she, and he whips her a couple, three times really hard on her backside and the back of her thighs. And she starts wailing and crying and she goes running off into some corner of the house to lick her wounds. And I'm just sitting there. I know, I'm just numb with horror at what I'm seeing. And God, this can't go on. I just can't, but I don't say a thing. I'm so fucking afraid. And so my father proceeds. Same ritual, down the line, over and over. And with each kid, it's almost like they're being led to the slaughter, like little lambs. And with each kid, there's this increase in the wailing and the screaming, and the whimpering through the house. And I'm sitting there, one by one as he does that, just my fear, and my anger at him, and my hatred for him is growing. And my hatred for myself is even growing more. And finally, with the last kid, the house is filled with all the screaming and wailing. It's just, it's a madhouse by then. My father goes to put his belt back on. And I'm thinking, sitting over there by the sofa, well, you know, might as well make be me. Because I'm an accomplice in this whole affair. I'm just feeling so guilty and ashamed of myself. that latest episode of Leave it to Beaver, The Dark Side. <laughs> I'm really shitty about myself. Really shitty. I feel so guilty, so ashamed, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. Should I, should I go to confession? Should I go talk to Father Murray? No, I'm too afraid. And besides, I mean, he's a good friend of the family. I don't trust him. <laughs> try running away to my Aunt Laura's, my favorite aunt. She's 15 miles away. I go by bike, I get three miles. And I start realizing, shit, you know, what's gonna happen when they find out, my mom and dad? So I head on back home, I was pulled right back in. But I gotta find some way to do some penance. I gotta find a way to make some kind of amends with my brothers and sisters because I really, I tell you, this is the worst I felt in my life. 
So, in due time, I, I do find some ways, you know, that I feel like, you know, I can make it up to them somehow. I become the best damn babysitter they ever had, really. Uh, when, I, when I'm babysitting them, boy, they got free reign. I mean, it, we break all the rules. Sure, use the sofa as a trampoline. Jump as high as you want. Higher, yes! Uh, sure, you can stay up late for that show that mom and dad will never let you watch. Sure, you want a little ice cream in that root beer? You know, anything I can do. We, I make up games for them and we play them. And we have a great time when I'm babysitting. And then being the artistic, uh, creative type in the family, um, I come up with these characters that I do for them. You know, that they just love, you know, and they keep asking me to do them. I do this Daffy Duck kind of character. Daffy at his zenith, you know, where he's just going bonkers. He's you know, going wild, you know, to, to vent uh, all the pent up emotion. Want me to do it for you? Normally, I have a whole lawn that I found over, you know, and just go wild, you know. When I go, oh, This is where I make a monkey out of my father, really. really. I kind of do a take on his kind of beastie hostility. And I just go into this <laughs> And I just scare them shitless. But they're giddy with delight, too. I mean, they just, they love it, and they keep wanting me to do it over and over and over again. But there's one more that I did that was kind of my favorite. It was like the most in-your-face thing I could do to my father. I'm sure the monkey man, he never caught on with that. This was pushing the limits, really. This was the Nazi. Where I would stand on the edge of the uh, diving board of our backyard pool, and I would I would be like a stormtrooper <laughs> looking over at my father. <laughs> and at the end of the board, I put a gun to my head, and I would just and crumple into the pool. My father would bust a gut. <laughs> bust it again. He didn't did it. Or if he did, he didn't mind, but I don't think that was his style. <laughs> he laughed, he laughed so hard that he would it would prompt his smoker's cough. And he would go into this huge coughing pit that would you thought he was gonna die, really. He'd turn beet red and just just be just <coughs> just getting so so much into a conniption fit. <laughs> and I really tell, I gotta tell you that I took great satisfaction when that happened. <laughs> I really did. But all good things have to come to an end, right? My father, he kicked me out of the house a few months after high school graduation. Guess what for? 
I wouldn't get a haircut, of all things. He <laughs> was not going to have a hippie living under his roof. No way. But I got to tell you, I mean, I had such a rapport with my brothers and sisters by that time. And I was kind of their favorite, you know, because I was the comic relief. I was the entertainer. I lifted their spirits. And I tried to make the best out of uh, circumstances that weren't all that uh, happy sometimes. We did have good times, though, I got to admit. But it was so hard saying goodbye to them. To say goodbye to Beth and Melanie and Kip and Allison and Wendy and Tracy, <laughs> Heidi, <laughs> Heather and Darren. All ten of them by that time. It was really hard. And I, I felt like I was abandoning them when I left home. And after I left home, I found that it was harder and harder to come back home. And over the years then, I drifted apart from my family, both distance-wise they all stayed in Michigan. I was floating around the country. And also, emotionally, this distance developed between us. Yeah, I felt like I was a moon orbiting planet Burke. <laughs> I felt so distant and alien. But still, kind of within that gravitational grasp of family. When I did make it back home, and those orbits around could be years apart, when I, do, when I did make it back home and showed my face, um, my brothers and sisters, we'd find a way to kind of get together, and, and we'd be reminiscing about the good old days. And as a way of kind of welcoming, welcoming me back into the fold, maybe to break the ice a little bit, somebody would always kind of Pop the question. Who stole Jeep's candy bar? <laughs> and everybody would burst out laughing. And I would be laughing too. But inside, I was just flush, you know, with this guilt and shame because I never told them and it was still a secret within me. But that was like the family, family ritual when I came back home. Finally, in 2006, I was 53 then. <laughs> and uh, I was back there for my father's funeral. My mother had died two and a half months before. And um, we never had closure, me and my father. Uh, he was a stranger to me until the day he died. And um, it was really rough. And I remember my brothers and sisters and I, uh, on the back porch of my parents' house the night that uh, my father was buried. And we were sitting around, it was kind of a somber mood, of course, naturally, and everybody was emotionally pretty raw. And, um, and there was a little lull, you know, in the reminiscing about some of those 
good old times. And somebody popped the question. <laughs> Who took Jeep's candy bar? And I said, I did it. I took Jeep's candy bar. I'm sorry. And everybody burst out laughing. <laughs> like they already knew that. <laughs> Maybe they didn't care. But for me, it was such a relief. <laughs> such a relief to let go of that and all that it meant to me. The kind of emotional bond, you know, that me and my father had that was based on so much anger and guilt and shame. Oh boy, it felt great. It was only like, uh, well, it was a few years later, actually, you know, that I was, I could, I can look back on that moment then, you know, as being the key for me to the way things played out from there. I realized, you know, that that was the moment when I started, like, unshackling myself or unhandcuffing myself from my father. And, um, and was able to gain a little distance. Uh, from him in a good way, a distance that allowed me to see him in a new light, a new perspective. And over the years, I've come to see him as a wounded soul also, like we all were as kids growing up. And realizing that, I found that there's become like this space within my heart where there's a place for him there. And I've come most recently to actually forgiving him for what he did. And I know it sounds like a cliche, you know, a really well-worn cliche, but for me it really means so much more to me now, and it's really true that it's better late than never. Thank you.